Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic. Also, Damien Keller. Binaural Production Engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is Karen, I might mess up this last name. McMahon. 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 Okay. And Karen is a divorce coach. And this is not my normal type of content. However, since I am going through a divorce, I figured I would take advantage of having this podcast and get some free advice. (laughs) So thank you for coming on. Gary, thanks so much for inviting me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So... Divorce is a real sucky thing, I have to say. I, I am not digging it all. This is my second one. Um, it really just started maybe two months ago. We just signed the papers last week. And my, I mean, my first thing is, like, I signed on to this relationship as a lifelong commitment. And my partner has reneged on her side of it. And I just find that disappointing and how do I cope with this yeah um well first of all I'm in complete agreement divorce generally sucks it's a really hard overwhelming uh jolting um uh transition to go through and uh and figuring out what led to it and how to not repeat the same mistake again is a big part of what we work with our clients and talk to our listeners about. Hmm. And so you're saying that, um, you know, you stood before whichever altar you did. And when you said until death, do we part, that was your commitment. And, um, and I take it that your partner, uh, left. Yeah. She sold out on me. She left. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm so sorry. And uh, it's, I think it's um, the grieving process is a slow one and understanding all the pieces uh, kind of comes in waves. You know, in the beginning, we're very angry and disappointed in the other person. And then at some point we, we can say, well, were there any red flags? Um, was there a quiet inner voice that knew something? Were there things that I saw that I didn't want to see? What was my part in things beginning to break down? And and it's really in those questions where um, where we grow through what's such a difficult time where we can use our we can use our pain as fuel to grow through. Um, a difficult breakup. Hmm. Does a person have to ask those questions 
or can I, can I like, like for me, like for me, like I kind of just want it over with. Like I was like ripping off a band aid. I just want to tear it off really fast and, 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 and get it over with and get on with life and never really look back and sort of just be done with relationships completely. Yeah, and I, I suppose that that's one of many uh, responses to it. I think that what we find is how we do something is how we do everything. And so when you start looking, Gary, at your first marriage, your second marriage, perhaps your relationships with family members or friends, uh, typically we'll see patterns of things that happen, um, ways that we judge others or that we're irritated or triggered by others. Like triggers are a really big thing, right? Usually our family of origin can trigger us and usually our spouse can trigger us. And so the get it over with and move on approach um, oftentimes invites in marrying the same person in a different body and having the same experience. Mm. I don't want to get married again. And like I said, so I only say that because you said this is your second one. So, And the funny thing is too, like I look back at my first one and I can say I wasn't the best husband in that one. I made a lot of mistakes. I was young, you know, I was inconsiderate. I was selfish so I wasn't the best husband. And, and, and in some ways, I can see why she, my wife did what I did. She did. And um, or really, it wasn't even like her. You know? I mean, it was, it was both of us. This time around, I made it a point not to make those same mistakes again. And it still ended up the same. And sometimes the mistakes are in um, having a broken picker. Like a lot of my clients when we look back, it's like the person you chose and how well you knew them. And a lot of times we fall in love with what's familiar, even though what's familiar isn't necessarily what's healthy for us. So, um, so for instance, in, in your marriage, I mean, if you, if you want to chat about it, we could actually just do a little coaching right here in your marriage. The question would be, what were the two or three key things that caused it to dissolve? Hmm. Well, she was unhappy. Um, the sex sort of fizzled out. Um, I, also, I, I think those are the two main things. And I think also we sort of like... Um, I know on my end, I'm sort of obsessive. Like I've become obsessive about this podcast and making it successful, which may have been a change. How long have you been doing the podcast for? A year. Okay. Congratulations. Um, Mine's six years old, and uh, it's just absolutely my joy to do the podcast and share with listeners. So um, good for you. So... uh, May I ask, uh, what is your perspective on why she was unhappy? Um, you know, I think some pe- people have an unfillable void, where they constantly like, like they'll, they'll like spending money, like like nothing makes them happy at all, um, and. Once you eliminate all these things in your life that you try to fill the void with, and the only thing that's left it 
in your life is, is this husband and he's not doing it. So maybe it's time to get rid of the husband and try somebody else. And so, so her, her need to feel whatever that is, happiness or peace, you're saying couldn't be satiated with anything that she did. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that she would agree with you on that? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's often the case that that we see them differently and they see us differently. So so what's really curious is when you met her, did was there a sense that you wanted to um, make this person happy who seemed to have a hard time being happy or at peace? Like did were you looking to fill I that was. for her? Yeah. I was. I think I made a mistake there. Well, it's where we all, none of us make this decision (laughs) purposely, but it's where we all kind of mess up because um, so often you either want someone to make you whole or you want to help someone become whole, right? And so one of the foundations of the work we do is everything's an inside job. You couldn't make another person happy Mm -hmm. or you couldn't make them self-loathe themselves either. Like it's all an inside job. And so when we meet someone who who's, let's say needy in one way or another, and I'm a recovering codependent, like I like to take care of people. So a needy person would be like really interesting to me because I would want to help them and, and and so in doing so, you say, well, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Well, it's definitely not a bad thing, but everything in moderation. So were you getting as much from your relationship as you were giving? I think for a period of time, yes. Yeah. How long were you married? Well, we were married for five years, but together for 12. Okay. And And how many years ago would you say it started going south? Two. Maybe, so, maybe she would say four. She would say it started when my parents died. Okay. And, and that was a bad time. You know, I, I did sort of fall into some pretty rough depression. and huh. Wasn't functioning at 100%. And then I had some health issues. Uh, I hurt my back and that messed me up. And then I had epileptic seizures, which were messing me up. I'm so, so sorry. So there was like this... You know, I, I wasn't like the prize husband, that is for sure. Right. Because of all that, all that stuff that was happening. That was out of my control, though. So if you speak to someone, if you're speaking of someone who you felt like was kind of always unhappy, and then their spouse who maybe was working on um, helping them be happy all of a sudden has significant loss and then significant health issues, um, you really needed her to caretake you to a certain degree during that time. And that's what in a healthy marriage, it's like life happens mm-hmm. and I support you when you're down, you support me when I'm down, we both lift each other up and, and that's what healthy looks like. Um, and I'm hearing that that was a bit different with you. I think so. She, she might think differently. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> typically, typically, I hear two very different stories about the same relationship. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. So you know that's, what we do, and that's one of the funny things about it. Like, I don't know. Like, 
like this, like both of us would have such different stories about what happened. How do we even know which one is true? Well, the truth lies in between. One of the hugest things to to keep in mind is your perspective, Gary, can, is only based on your vantage point, your yeah. experience, your what you know, and so we take our perspective as truth. Um, but if we were all standing on the four corners of an intersection and we each saw a, a car accident from our perspective, each of our truths would be a bit different. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with relationship. And so from your vantage point, what you're sharing is your truth. And from her vantage point, her truth is going to sound differently. In the, and what's real is someplace in between that. Mm. lies um, a pure truth. And one of the big things in order to not um, be so emotionally charged and triggered by divorce is to begin to separate from that story, that vantage point of yours. And, right. and um, so when we're super glued to it, we can be very judgmental. Right. She's bad. She did this. She's wrong. Yeah. And that doesn't help anybody. No, and it, it doesn't help healing either. No. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. bitterness and the anger and, and, and the blame yeah. is it, very unproductive. Yeah. Well, it, it's a bitter root in your heart. And, <laughs> and when one emerges from divorce without doing the work, including forgiveness and acceptance, uh, you bring that, whatever that bitterness in your heart is into your next relationship. And it could be a friendship. It could be, you know, an intimate relationship and it's going to fester and it's going to create problems. And so it's so vitally important that we heal um, from divorce and, and that we learn to forgive, not for the other person, because some of your listeners might be like, look, some really bad stuff went down in my marriage. And so you're not forgiving for the other person. You're always forgiving for yourself. It's about cutting any ties to your heart that bind you to anger, resentment, mm -hmm. bitterness. You want to cleanse that out. Um, so that you can manifest healthier relationships. Absolutely. I, I totally yeah. agree. And, and that's why I, I've been trying not to, like I, I go through these phases of anger and, and blame. And then I kind of look at it and I say like, well, okay, but one, none of this stuff is going to help me. Okay. And, and, and two, she's going to have her own other side of it, okay. which some of it, I'm sure, is true. Well, and so the all of the treasures, if one could believe that there are treasures that come out of divorce, they're all on your side of the street. So in a 12-step program, they say, keep your side of the street clean. And what we tend to do is we cross the street and we want to look at what our spouse or our soon-to-be ex or our exes how they're being wrong, what they're doing wrong, what their problem is, what what they need to take care of. And we have no control there. So it's very, it feels very disempowering. Mm -hmm. And um, and meanwhile, we each have our own hot mess to work on. And in in my humble opinion, this is one of our main reasons for being here on this earth is to 
um, heal our childhood wounds, refine our character and be the best person that we can be. And so divorce actually does invite that because if you're willing to say, what are the patterns? You know, what did I pick up from my family of origin? How did I behave that didn't serve my marriage or that didn't honor how I want to be in the world? So I was very angry and reactive mm -hmm. at my ex and I didn't like that person. I became almost a rageaholic. And so my divorce helped me heal that part of myself. And that's what we do with our clients is help them get really clear on what what they have control over, what behaviors, what thought patterns, what emotions are kind of running their lives in a direction that doesn't serve them mm -hmm. and help them to uh, do the work to heal that so that they emerge feeling really good about themselves, really healthy in their relationships with their kids or their family. And then some people never want to be in an intimate relationship again. And other people's people want to get married and whatever you want to do, mm -hmm. you're, you're in a better place to accomplish it. Ah, interesting. Um, so, you know, like, 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 like you mentioned, like the family of origin, like my family was pretty insane, you know, <laughs> there wasn't much normalcy in my family. Um, so, so, and I see all those patterns in myself and I've been working on that my entire life to yeah. not try to repeat what my family has taught me. Right. Um, the future though, you know, Actually, let me go go a different direction. Do you think that people are actually meant to stay together for an entire lifetime? I mean, I will have to say, like, almost every relationship that I've ever had, at somewhere between the five and seven year point, things start to fizzle out. I think everyone has um, their own beliefs, religious, cultural, and other around that. Um, do I believe that it's possible for two people to come together and spend a lifetime together? Yes. Uh, I think that it takes a lot of hard work. Um, it's kind of like putting two porcupines in a box. You're going to rub up against each other. You're going to prick each other. You know, your each of your quills are going to poke at the other person, the healthiest marriages that, that are out there uh, have two individuals who are willing to hold a space that the other person is just a wounded child, a wounded human being, and support them while they do the work. And if you have two people who are willing to roll up their sleeves and, and do the, the self development work that's absolutely necessary you have some of the most beautiful rock solid relationships and those are relationships that survive um real trials and tribulations financial health addiction whatever and still they can survive they can survive betrayal it depends on one of the key things um my pastor had said this once he said Forgiveness takes one person, reconciliation takes two. 
And it's very true. So if you're out there and you're just like doing 200% and bending over backwards and trying everything to reconcile your marriage and your spouse is just like, well, it's all your problem, so fix it. You're not going to reconcile. It's no. not possible. You have to have two people like all in to reconcile. Hmm. Is it normal, though, for people's relationships to fizzle out after that certain period? Well, it's when uh, it's it it's like like it, like it, it comes is, it loses passion and it just becomes comfort. Well, it doesn't have to. You see, that's where the work comes in. I mean, think about it. You start living with someone at first. It's like you know you're firing on all cylinders and there's great sex and you're like getting to know each other and you're having wonderful conversations. And then over the course of time, we take the other person for granted. And, um, I talked to couples and, you know, what happened and it's like, I had, I had one fella and he said, well, I had a heart attack. And so I wanted to make sure, you know, my family was really, um, financially taken care of. And so I worked like crazy and, and I wasn't there. I wasn't there for my wife. I wasn't there for my kids. And so it's like, that's that heart intention in the right place. But what you took for granted was, well, why do you get married? You don't get married. So your spouse is in an office making money. You get married because you want to spend time with them. So for each of us, it's a different thing. And when it begins to fizzle, I mean, those are the red flags. The beautiful thing is if each of us could hear our partner when they say, I'm not I'm, I'm not happy. I need more. I want more. And instead of being like, stop complaining, I do some like that's our initial reaction is to say, if if you have a problem with the relationship, our relationship has a problem. And rather than kind of fizzling and going in separate directions, what if we what if we roll our sleeves up and make some commitments? A key one that I ask people is how often do you have date night? Do you do date night once a week? And I tell you, when people have children, it's like we haven't dated in months and months and months. Well, what's that going to do to your intimate relationship or to the stay at home mom? So when do you go out with the girls? When do you have alone time? No, I'm with the kids. And then my husband comes home and he's tired. And so I'm with the kids. And well, what's going to happen? The first thing that's going to go is sex because there's no emotional connection and one or both parties are completely exhausted and nobody's filling the other person's, um, their, their love cup. So it's like, you're, that's so vitally important. We can't, I think so many people put their, their relationship and their marriage on mm -hmm. um, autopilot. But survival is so hard, you know, um, it, it's hard to put survival and basic needs on the back burner for a date. Tell me a little bit more about that. Um, it, it, you know, like like keeping a roof over the head, feeding the kids, um, paying the bills. If we don't do all that first, then then there's not going to be any date. So there's no date, there's not going to be any marriage. <laughs> so, so having been a single mom from the time my kids were like barely in grade school, um, same survival, same things need to happen. 
the question becomes, because it's actually, I mean, I'll, I'll just challenge you a little bit, Gary. It's, it's an excuse because date night doesn't have to be, you know, $150 dinner and all dressed up and seven hours out. You know, date night can look a lot of different ways. It's really about um, reconnecting to your lover, reconnecting to this person that you're passionate about, wanting to hear, you know, how was your day? What are you struggling with? What do you need from me? How can I, how can I love and support you more and vice versa? And um, when there's kids, the first thing that happens is we're exhausted and the children are getting all of our attention. And in the midst of that, it's vitally, vitally important that you keep date night hmm. or, or, or whatever that connection is um, that you have your time after the kids go to bed or your, you know, Saturday morning walk and coffee or you find a mother's helper who's helping out with the little kids so that you have a little time and space. If it, the, because what happens is you said it when I asked you, you said she's unhappy and the, and, and sex was the problem. So sex is always the problem because the first thing that's going to happen is once that connection is gone, women need to feel love to, to want to be physically, sexually intimate. Um, men want sexual intimacy to feel loved. So that's like God's little joke to us as we come at it from different angles. And yet, um, with the connection, with that working on the relationship and the connection and the intimacy, um, everybody can be very happy. And communication. I think that's the other thing uh, that we find in general is either there isn't communication, one person implodes, the other person explodes, one person doesn't want to talk about the relationship. Uh, there, there, there are bills to pay. There's other things going on. Why do we have? Do we really have to talk about this again? And so, if one person's trying to say, "Hey, look, something's really not right here. I'm feeling very sad. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling abandoned. I'm feeling frustrated. Whatever." Um, if only one person is feeling it, then the relationship has that problem. And so what we do at Journey Beyond Divorce is really just ask a lot of questions, a little bit like what I'm asking you, to help people get to the root of what caused the breakup. And, um, and if you don't want to look at that, you can, you can, you can, you can break up, you can believe that you divorced the problem. Um, and that's why our second and third marriage Marriages have such mm -hmm. a high divorce, a higher divorce rate because so many people feel like they divorce and leave the problem behind, but then they go and marry the same person in a different body and they're right back in the same problem. Mm -hmm. And it's five to seven years later. It's that's, that's, that's the, that's the, um, what did you used a good word? That's the things that, fizzle. That's, <laughs> that's the, that's the fizzle point. Yeah. Interesting. About five to seven years. So at least it's not my imagination. No, it's 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 when a deeper level of love and commitment is um, invited and really required to to able to go the long run with it. So it almost in my mind, I think I think like maybe like instead of getting married, just go out with somebody for five to seven years, break up, and go find someone else. And there are people who do that. 
Everyone has their own dynamics, so we don't have to judge anything. So let's say after two divorces, you're like, you know what? I, I want to be in a relationship, um, but I, I'd, I'll leave this commitment thing behind. Okay, so then you want to look for someone who commitment isn't as important as being in a relationship. And then that comes with things. If you're finding someone and falling in love with someone who doesn't want to commit, then there will be issues around that that come up and you get to navigate them. And that's, there's nothing wrong or right about it. And it just is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a key aspect too. So we talked about forgiveness and another key aspect, and this is huge is acceptance. Um, I can't tell you how often I've had someone say, I can't believe my husband didn't get home for dinner on time and work late at the office. I can't believe he did that. And my question will be, has he ever done that before? Yeah, all the time. And so our resistance is, I'm saying I can't believe it, but not only can I believe it, I can actually plan for it because this is this person and I know how they show up. I can't believe my wife did X. And, and so what, whatever, however your spouse behaves, once you actually accept that that's how they behave, you have so many more options in how to address it. But when you just choose to be in shock and awe, every time they do the same mm -hmm. thing they've done over and over again for years and years and years, that's, that's you being in resistance. And there's a saying, what we resist persists. So it'll just keep happening because nobody's addressing it from a place of this is what it is. Hmm. Interesting. Um, like, how long does it take to get over a divorce? Like, at what point is it? Would a person be ready to even consider having any type of relationship, whether it's you know? a fling or another serious relationship? And well, again, just a great question. I think first we all grieve differently. So I could be a really slow griever and it can take me a long time and you could be, you could process much quicker. So grief is a, is a process, right? There's, there's a variety of, um, shades of grief, right? There's denial and anger and bargaining and there's depression and there's acceptance. Acceptance, when we touch acceptance, um, we know we're not stuck, but some people don't touch acceptance. Some people get stuck in anger, denial, and depression. Mm -hmm. um, they could be grieving for years and not be ready. Uh, one of the important things is that you understand the grief process that you're kind and gentle with yourself as you're going through these emotions and uh, that you seek help if you're stuck if you've been for a long time in denial depression anger um, and you haven't had any experience of acceptance you're very stuck and you want to get some support because it, it doesn't take much to get unstuck, but it does take someone outside of your head to come in and help you. And then, um, and then it's important that you process and processing happens by talking to other human beings or journaling. 
Um, and then you release, as you and I were talking about earlier, you release the angst, you release the, the, the anger, the bitterness, and, and then you're ready. And so a lot of times um, people start dating well before they're ready because they're lonely. And that's the other thing is if you want to be in a really good relationship, start dating after you're totally enjoying being alone. Mm. Like if someone can't love being by themselves and their own company, um, that's a red flag because you're going out to find another human being to fill the void. And, um, and that's, that, that doesn't tend to work out very well. Shell, do you ever hear Shel Silberstein? He's a, a, he wrote children's book, Shel Silberstein. And he wrote a book called um, The Missing Piece Meets the Big O. And uh, if you're listening and you're going through any kind of breakup, just go to YouTube and type that in. It's Shel Silberstein. And while it's a silly children's book about a missing piece looks like a slice of pizza and the big O is just a full O. And it's really about us feeling like a slice and looking for a, a big round piece that has an opening that we'll fit into just fine. And so we all do that. And this little story talks about how that never works well. And what we need to do is learn to roll on our own, right? Refine all our edges. And then we can just find someone to roll with. And it's actually, it's brilliant for those going through breakup and divorce because it points out in a very um, innocent way where we tend to go wrong. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. How do you do you know? You, is there any difference between acceptance and just being apathetic to the situation? Because oh. I, I, I like for me, like I seem to almost feel like apathetic to it. It's kind of like, all right, well, I can't change this situation, so screw it. I'm just gonna move on and be a drifter and have a woman in every town. So what is it you're not accepting? I don't know if I'm, I think, I don't, I don't know if there's a difference though. Like, 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 how do I know? Like, have I accepted it or am I just being apathetic to it? Like not caring. Are you saying that you don't care that your marriage ended? I care, but at the same time, I kind of look at like, like, like in a looking forward kind of way, I'm kind of like, okay, well, this leaves a whole lot of stuff open for me. I'm not tied down anymore. I, I, I don't have to deal with uh, somebody, you know, telling me to put the seat down on the toilet and all that kind of junk. And, and, and I can just go out and live my life and have fun and, and, and do what I want. So it's kind of like, well, okay, well, I'm losing this, but I'm gaining. 10 times more freedom. So, I mean, you're certainly seeing the silver lining. What's the part of your divorce that's hardest for you? Um, that I put so much into it and now I'm going to lose so much. I'm losing a ton of money off of this. So, you know, I'm going to have to work twice as hard probably for this last leg of my life. So that might suck. Um, okay, so you have some regret in terms of the financial loss. Yeah, um, but 
and, and, and like the waste of the waste of time. Like I feel like, oh man, I just wasted twelve years with a person who didn't even like me. But I can't get that back, and I know that, and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to try to make this person stay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to plow forward and, and and do whatever the hell I want. What do you miss about your wife, or about being married? Anything? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I miss enjoying things together. I mean, you know, but that, that kind of ended, like, even with COVID, you know, after COVID changed our relationship, too, because we would go out to plays and to rock concerts and, and do things together. The COVID came and all that kind of shit stopped, yeah. you know? And that, too, impacted a lot of relationships. If people were going out and doing things together and all of a sudden that, you know, that has its own impact. I'm not hearing apathy so much. I'm hearing that um, it sounds like your relationship died a while ago. Um, either you're not very emotionally charged by your wife leaving or you're not sharing that. Uh, acceptance is really about, okay, uh, this is over. It wasn't meant to be, or it wasn't meant to continue. And I'm ready to look forward and move on. So I'm hearing that you're actually in um, a decent amount of acceptance, just just from what you are sharing today, Gary. Because yeah, like like when she broke the news to me, I was very emotional. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it was very intense, especially for the first couple of days. It was. How long ago was that? May I ask? Mm-hmm. Six weeks ago, maybe? Seriously? Yeah. She told you six weeks ago and you're completely over it. No, I mean, I can't be completely over it. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It's it's but, not. That's, there's but, something but, under but, the but, covers that you're not sharing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, well, I, was, I was like emotional. Like, you know, I, I, I'll even admit I cried. For, well, the, fir- be, for, the, for be, the first time since the day I was born. Really? Yeah. And, and then I had this big, gaping, empty hole feeling in my chest for a couple of weeks. Yep. You know, and all I wanted to do was lay on the couch and watch Netflix. And then? And then I said, screw this shit. I don't want to do this. I want to live my life. I want to go out. I want to have fun. You know, I'm, you know, 53. I don't have a whole lot of time left to have a lot of fun. I mean, eventually I'll be old and crippled and... Then I'm gonna die. Well, yeah, at least have a couple so, of decades, so, I would imagine. So, so, so yeah. Like, then they're kind of like, well, I'm going to squeeze whatever I can out of this next 20 years. Hell with this shit. Well, <laughs> perhaps you've just pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, I would, my intuitive sense is there's emotion there that, that could use to be processed. Um, and whether you do that or not, you do seem to have an ability to say, let me look forward and see what's next. It, the healing piece, Gary, is just, it's vitally important so that you can actually meet a healthy person um, when you're ready to go back out there. Yeah, see, I don't know. I'm not even going to tr- attempt that because, I mean, chances are I'm not a healthy person. Well, there's work to be done. So, so I mean. why, 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 why do I want to, you know, inflict myself upon somebody else <laughs> that, 
some an, another undeserving victim. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of like, why would I even bother doing all that? Especially when there's only a, a, another twenty years of life actually left. Well, I guess again, it comes to I've worked with people who feel like. Um, I've I've been in a marriage for whatever, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I I am happy being single the rest of my life. And then there are other people who feel like I've been in a marriage for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and I really like being in partnership and I want to get healthy and I want to go out and I want to find somebody healthier and I want to do it right and I want to be in partnership or in marriage. And again, there's no right or wrong the important thing is for us to be honest with ourselves. And so if six weeks ago, the woman that you committed your life to told you that she wanted a divorce, there's a lot to unpack and to process in there. And um, even psychologically, we kind of get dosed with it. It's like sometimes when it hits us all at once, it's too overwhelming, which is why the grieving process is what it is. We, we're psychologically we 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 accept in what we can handle at that time mm-hmm. in a way though I, I feel like like there's almost like something wrong with me like all i'm thinking about is is moving forward and just wanting to i don't know live the rest of my life to its fullest without another relationship i mean i mean granted i, I mean i want i want to you know Maybe go to have somebody like see so you know, like find somebody to go to the movies with and, and get laid once in a while and shit like that. But uh, as far as living with somebody, I don't even know why I would want to do that again. There's not too many people six weeks out who are even thinking about that. So exactly, there's something wrong. Well, there it's not. If we take the judgment out of it, um, you've you've got this really upsetting news that made you cry for the first time in your life six weeks ago you're processing um or you're not processing and it's just churning and your inner wisdom is saying you don't want to go out and share your mess with somebody else right now and that's that's pretty wise i would um i would encourage you to do some reading about it and to allow whatever um emotional angst is in there to kind of come to the surface so that you can process and release it. And if you choose not to, um, it doesn't go away. So, so that's the key. It's like when we choose not to do the work, I'm not going to do that work. That's bullshit. I'm just going to move on. That's fine. But you move on with all of the stuff that you didn't process and release. Mm -hmm. However, in the end, what, why go through all that work of processing that stuff? If at the end, I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I could waste my life processing all this crap. Or I could just have fun. I think depending on um, the depth of relationship one chooses to have. So the just have fun and just get laid is... Um, is a different level of emotional depth than the person who wants to understand themselves, heal and refine themselves and go and connect with another human being on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And 
there's nothing right or wrong with any of them. I mean, there's so many different types of people in the world. And what I'm hearing you say is, and it it's going to be what aligns with your values. So if your values are, look, I love my podcast. I really enjoy my life. I wouldn't mind dating. I'd like to have some sexual intimacy. I don't need to get deep. I don't need to commit. Um, I got a couple of decades left. I'm going to ha- be happy and have fun. You know, God bless. There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So as, um, so that could be normal. Well, it's just I don't think there's normal. I don't think okay. there is normal. There's too many of us. There's billions of us. <laughs> there's no normal. <laughs> there's just what is, and I think so many of us are filled with judgment. So I could say to you, your values are so different than my values. You're mm-hmm. screwed up, Gary. Like you're really messed up, and that's like really wrong, and you're really superficial. I could say all of those things, but none of them are true. They might be true from my vantage point, right. but you're making a good point. You're saying, hey, I, I think I'm okay. I, I'm i not a guy who's been emotionally really deep. I've never cried before. And this is what I think I want. I think I want to move forward and enjoy my life. That's great. Who you attract, right? When you attract that person, even if you're only dating them for six months and it's superficial, things will come up. Um, They always do in every intimate relationship, uh, differences come up different ways of being. And a neat thing to do for all of us is to just always look for the patterns. How is my relationship with my boyfriend, girlfriend, my husband, my wife, um, similar to my parents' relationship? How is the way I am when arguments come up? Do I like my dad was a passive aggressive. My mom was a rageaholic. Do I implode? Do I explode? How does that work for me? Is there a better way that would actually help me build and mend my mm-hmm. relationship versus like throw emotional grenades across the room? And we get to look at all of these things. There, all of this requires you to find um, value and priority in building intimate relationship. If that's not a value or priority for somebody, then anything I'm saying is going to sound like irrelevant and unnecessary. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I have any values or priorities, you know, wait, did you just say you don't have any values or priorities, hard stop, like period? Yeah. That's not possible. Why not? Well, we, we all have values and priorities. We live our life based on our values and priorities. I will tell you, I don't know you, but I've listened to a number of your podcasts and you your did. podcasts certainly show your interests, your values, your priorities, just, just in that little lane of your life. And then I would imagine if I sat down with your soon to be ex, she could share some values and priorities of yours. So, um, we all have, them. we just do, uh, it's it's how we're wired. Hmm. You know, what's important to maybe, you? Maybe you just I said just, you maybe, like going maybe I to, just never labeled them. Yeah. You like going to movies, you like going out to shows, you like music. I mean, it, these are all things someone else would be like, I would never go and see a live concert. It has no interest to me. Or why would you go in the water with a kayak and kayak? That's ridiculous. Or or you know, so so what one person's what's important to one person 
that that's what sets your values and priorities and your values are, what do you value? Do you value, um, money, work, relationship, um, connection, friendship, communication, uh, health, fitness, there's a million things. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you value? I don't know what I value. Adventure. Well, there you go. Maybe. I like searching, finding answers, asking questions, looking for those answers. Um, curiosity. I was just going to say, curiosity you clearly have a, a very thing. high value curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the whole purpose of my podcast is yes. to encourage curiosity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess maybe I do have a couple values. I think you might not know yourself so well. You have a lot of values. If you sit down and you start scanning your life and looking at what you do and what you're attracted to and what you're not attracted to, you will find your values and priorities. All right. Well, I also believe people should be good to each other. I guess that's a value. Absolutely. You know, I think opinions are bad. What do they say? Um, Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. Yeah. But, 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 but they're kind of useless. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's sharing your vantage point. If you think about it, my opinions are only from my vantage yeah. point, from my life experience, from, you know, from my cultural, religious but people bickering upbringing. over them is ridiculous. Well, I mean, and we certainly have had a lot of that in the country and in politics and religion and you know, international affairs, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about on our Journey Beyond Divorce podcast is uh, all, all of these things you and I are talking about, how to communicate better, how to know yourself better, how to understand how you ended up where you are, and how to move forward in a way that really serves you and is going to help you live your Best next chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this last chapter epic. Well, there you go. What would make your chapter epic? Just to go out, travel, do things that people think is absolutely absurd, but you know, be and be successful at it. I mean, my podcast is something that most people would like. Even I thought maybe it was an absurd idea. But now it's like successful. I've become successful doing one of the most bizarre things that a person could think of. So you've built yourself a nice following um, and listener base in what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it even blows my mind. Like I thought of all the things to be successful at, <laughs> you know, this. Is, well, you know. With the people... most surprising and and to me, I mean, there are so many podcasts out there now, but for those of us who do it regularly and do it with passion, uh, like we have we have a really um, deeply listened to podcast. And for people going through divorce, it's like a foreign land. Um, I don't know the language. I don't know the landscape. I'm scared. It's uncertain. I don't know what's at the other side. A podcast like ours is really valuable because we talk about the emotions. We talk about... Um, the practical journey, and we guide people in something that they're interested in. You guide people in curiosity and bringing to the table 
topics that maybe would be poo-pooed in more mainstream media. And you get to be the voice of a lot of perspectives that, um, that you just can't hear or, or read about anywhere. And, and so you've attracted folks with similar curiosity and interest and, you know, that's, that's what's so brilliant about podcasting and kudos for your success. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been really cool. Um, so with the relationship, um, how do people keep romance alive? Like, I know you mentioned the date night part of it. Um, but as, as people get older, we kind of like shrivel up and start looking like prunes. So um, <laughs> another actually very good question. And so when we're younger, romance involves a lot of hot, steamy sex. Um, as you get older, though, uh, and, and even as you grow in relationship, it's it's that deeper type of love. It's... Um, it's spending time with the person wanting to hear what's going on with them, wanting to support them. You know, there's so much that's written about foreplay always begins outside of the bedroom. It's, it's your partner um, saying you've had a long day. I'll, I'll cook dinner and clean the dishes. You just relax. Or I was thinking about you and I bought you this thing or coming over and rubbing your shoulders or holding your hand or like foreplay. And sometimes just what intimacy is as you get older uh, takes on a very different um, look. And so if you think about it, it's a pretty cool thing to be so deeply connected with another person that you love them for all of their beautiful parts and you love them equally for all of their broken parts. And you're always there for them and you're, um, and you come to them with a, uh, a heart that's, um, void of judgment and filled with compassion and, I think there's not a human being on the face of the earth that just wants to be deeply loved. I mean, we're a bunch of kids who all just want to be deeply loved. You know, we want unconditional love. Humans aren't capable of giving it, but healthy, intimate relationships come as close as, as we're going to get. Hmm. That's beautiful. It sounds absolutely beautiful. Almost perfect type of beautiful possible i don't know very possible uh but you one would argue if you look at the divorce rate not not with everyone and that's mm -hmm. you know that's my passion i came from a very broken marriage i came from uh, uh an alcoholic rageaholic family so my experience of intimate love was pretty broken from the beginning and I actually was older. I was 34 when I got married. So I'd been on my own for like 15 years. And I still picked uh, someone who was a version of the brokenness of my mom and dad. I didn't know any better. And um, 
and we had two children and we went through a horrific three and a half year high conflict divorce with CPS and the police. And, um, and I grew tremendously. I was totally willing to keep the focus on what I brought to the table, what I wanted to change in myself because he was going to be a part of my past, but I wanted to emerge from this hell, um, a better person. And so um, I've had the, the privilege and opportunity to work with so many, both couples mending their marriage as well as individuals ending. And, um, and there are just gorgeous relationships out there that where two people were just committed. They're just, they're just willing to invest the time and energy and have the grace and mercy to allow their partner to develop in their own time. Hmm, interesting. Like I know like like my parents, sometimes like it seemed like they didn't even really like each other. I think they sort of stayed together because they were both afraid of being alone. Because mm-hmm. they thought that maybe they couldn't each one thought of them thought of themselves like I can't survive without this other person. Right. And people do for the children. And of course, so what's your experience of intimate love if you come from a family of parents who you who you your childlike perspective was like I don't even think they like each other so then what is what is that implant in you right blueprint in you in terms of intimate love it's a partnership it's yeah. a business and, and I think it messes me up a little bit because then it's like well geez well I, I can be with a person my whole life and not even like them right and we don't get to um, adopt the shortcomings of our parents and blame them, we get to begin to live in the shortcomings of our parents and go, oh, this doesn't feel good. This sucks. Oh, shoot. This marriage is ending. Hmm. What did I think? What did I do? How did it serve me? And what do I want to do differently so that I can have a better relationship? Yeah. And, and I always say to clients, you don't click, you don't lick it off the grass. This is not like you didn't become the person you are by just waking up one morning. This is, this is the lifetime development of your family of origin and every relationship you've had thereafter and whether or not you were willing to look in the mirror and focus on your part instead of their part when things went wrong. Hmm. Interesting. I think like, also, like 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 my mom's mom, my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my grandmother always said too that I was, uh, you know, everybody in my family, I was the most like her. And she had been married twice before. Her both of her husbands died, and I think I guess by the time she was fifty, she was single, like like I am now, and she chose to stay single for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she did have. Um, we we called him Uncle Ray, but it was really her boyfriend. And you know they hung out, they traveled the world together, they enjoyed each other's companies. But at the same time, they kept their 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 own houses. They didn't live together, and it was like this really convenient relationship that worked for both of them. Mm-hmm. They both had their freedom, but they both shared some things together that they enjoyed, and they knew what they were. And it lasted for like 30 years until they both died. Now, that is the ideal thing, I think, 
in, in my opinion, you, you know, that would work for me because maybe I am a lot like her because I am very independent, too independent probably, I think, in some ways to be in a relationship. And I believe that's definitely one of my faults and it's one that I'm really not very interested in changing. And so what you want to do is attract a partner who likes that in you, who's okay with that in you. Yeah, or somebody who has, has that her amount. own independence and therefore your independence isn't threatening or problematic. Mm-hmm. But you just described, I mean, it's interesting. So you've now described your parents in a marriage that might have looked like it lacked love and a grandmother who found uh, an intimate relationship that really kind of aligns with your values. And so I think you've actually uncovered some really good stuff just chatting here today, Gary. So if your desire is... um to live independently and yet find someone who you can travel with, who you can listen to music with, have fun with, um, enjoy some intimacy with, then then that that clarity is incredibly helpful. And even in that relationship, there will be quills on both sides. And the opportunity, once again, is when you... One of my favorite sayings is, every upset is a setup. So when you get frustrated, angry, disappointed in the other person, the first thing you want to do is say, what's my expectation? Um, what, you know, what's my judgment? What's my insecurity? Like, let me, let me figure out what's going on with me first, my trigger. And then you can go and address it with the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, 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 to me, that would be like the ideal situation, I think, for me at this point. And it would also allow me to be there... From for what's left of my family, like all my my nephews, nieces, and great nephews and nieces, you know, one of the things too that that's been interesting about this divorce is, you know, I, I'm originally from New Jersey and I had moved to Alabama after my parents died, and um, then you know this whole divorce thing started happening, and all of a sudden, like my nephews and nieces, and like they're all like, "Well, this is awesome! You can come back," and I and I never really realized like. Like that, I had had still had a role left in my family to 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 do. So, again, another value. Your family is a a value to you. Well, yeah, it sounds like be it sounds like being there for your family is a value. Well, yeah, they like to go to rock concerts with me and stuff. And rock (laughs) concerts is a value. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of good because I have my great, my grand nephew. He's huge. So, I, I if I, if I get stuck in like a, a pit or something, he's you your know, guy. Yeah, he's my guy. <laughs> he's like a wall. <laughs> he's my boy. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds so, like I'm maybe not as messed up as I think I am. Like I, I so so like, what is your opinion of of me and what I've I've, I've just told you? He actually just told my entire audience, like, am I on the right track? Am I, am I thinking along a, a, a way that is productive or am I thinking along in, in a way that's going to create more harm? And that's the one thing I don't want to do is create more harm. Well, I think um, you have voiced a certain amount of clarity in what you want and what you don't want. To be six weeks out of being told that 
your spouse wants to divorce you, uh, you sound um, unusually emotionally um, disconnected. And so th that, that why that is, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, I couldn't begin to say, uh, in terms of what you want, and and like even saying that you don't have values or priorities, it's like there's some self-reflection that I think would be really, really valuable for you because it's kind of like someone said this once, could you imagine packing your luggage, getting in a cab and going to the airport when you don't know where you're taking a flight to? Like we need to have some plans and we need to have some guidelines. And so, so for you, I think that, you know, understanding um, what did I learn from this marriage? One of the things you said earlier is I wait, it was such a waste of time. Yeah. There's no such thing. Why not? There is no such thing as a 12 year waste of time. And so if we could take a few minutes, um, what did you, what did you learn, experience, grow through your time with? Can we can we say her first name? I'd rather not because I don't want to okay. involve her. Okay, personally. so your wife. Mm -hmm. um, what what would you say? Um, what would you say about that? What I've, what I've learned. What you've learned, how you've grown, mm -hmm. what you experienced that was like great and then that had an impact on you. I mean, I've had a lot of fun. You know, we, we did some traveling together. She was always a really, well, she was a very funny person who enjoyed some of the really simple things of life. Um, it was cool seeing her grow and change and become uh more productive and, and and to see her kind of pursue her dreams was was, was really cool to see um and, and to be a part of really you know it was nice being a part of that um i don't know i also i think you know i've, I've gotten over in this relationship i've gotten over some f maybe fears you know mm -hmm. um because i think at times she sort of pushed me in a way where I wouldn't have just pushed if I was by myself. And uh, so those are, are those good things? Those are great things. You may have shared things with her that you wouldn't have done on your own. You may have, um, you may have had experiences in your travel. Um, like if you think about it, how true is it that you wasted 12 years? All right. It's not true at all. No, it's not. It wasn't a waste of time. You know, there's that saying, some people come into your life for a season, some come in for a lifetime. Um, so she was your season. She was a 12-year season for you. And how do you, how do you honor that season? How do you look back and celebrate the season? You're not celebrating the ending necessarily, but... During that time, I was able to, and you put your list together, I learned this about myself, I saw this about the world, I laughed my ass off more with this woman than I ever have before, like, whatever that is, um, I, I would challenge that it was a waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right, I can, we, I, I can say now that it wasn't a waste. 
And and just out of curiosity, when you say that I wasted my time for the last 12 years versus it it wasn't a waste, um, what's the emotional difference for you? Like if you thought you wasted your time for the last 12 years, what's the emotion attached to that? If I said I wasted it, then I'd feel angry. Yeah. Right? Angry, regretful. If, right. I, if, I, if I look at it as I didn't waste it, it feels lighter. I mean, that's the best word that I can kind of come up with right now for that feeling. Yeah, and I think if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you were to dive into that a little bit more and say, I don't know, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in the business of asking questions. That's what life coaches do. So what, what were the, what were the five best things that came out of my marriage? What were the three ways I grew um, only because of this woman? What were um, what were the most important things that I learned about myself being in this intimate relationship? Every one of those you'll have a list for, and mm-hmm. and that would that's what helps people go from this regret and disappointment like he never even loved me or whatever the story is it's just a story in your mind and when you challenge it and you go well that's not really true and then you can celebrate what good came out of it lighter is certainly one of the things you'll feel you might feel grateful you might appreciate it you um you're gonna have less debilitating emotions around uh the marriage experience. Are, are emotions necessary? Well, they're part of our human experience. Um, I just recently did a podcast with a woman named Carla McLaren, who wrote a book called The Genius in All Our Emotions. And she was brilliant. She talked about how every emotion um, is there to inform and guide us. And so, for instance, um, fear, fear informs us that something is not right, at least in our perspective, and and it guides us to protect ourselves, to put up a boundary. Um, Anxiety informs us that there is some kind of a deadline, there's something that needs to be done um, that we need to pay attention to. Uh, So every emotion um, is powerful and valuable not just not just the happy ones not just joy and peace and um, but all of them Hmm. yeah and and if i could um with the coaching that me and my team do uh a lot of times people want to change their emotion but that's that's like that's the middle of the story. So you have to go to the beginning. And so the beginning is the thought. And we could use what we just talked about, your marriage. If the thought is, I wasted my time for 12 years, the, the emotion is regret, disappointment. Mm-hmm. If the thought is, um, there were some beautiful times in this marriage and I walked away with a lot that I didn't have before I got into it, the emotion shifts. So when you change your thought, when you start most of us don't pay any attention to the story in our heads. Our monkey mind is like the, like the dog, the tail wagging the dog. Our monkey mind is like, and we're going, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You must be right. And meanwhile, what our ego mind says is wrong, like 99% of the time, but we believe it. And when we slow it down and go, 
were the last 12 years really a waste of time? And we challenge it and we come up with a thought or a perspective that fits better. Mm-hmm. You'll see your emotional um, response uptick. And so our thought is hardwired into our emotion mm-hmm. and then our emotion is hardwired into our action. I could do so, that. So, so if you think that the marriage is a waste of time and you feel disappointed and regretful, you're, you may be less likely to date or commit or something else. Whereas mm-hmm. when you turn it around, it changes the way you behave. All right. I'm willing to turn it around just so I feel better, but not because I want to date or ever commit again. Well, I mean, although I would like to date and hang out with people, but, you know, I'm still going to follow the my grandmother's plan. Well, there you go. And following your grandmother's plan is still going to work better if your emotional response to what happened is lighter as opposed to heavier. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Granny had it right. She didn't even use her real name. I didn't even know her real name until she died. Well, so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, she always called herself Irene Zyla. And it was just something she made up. But I guess, you you know, back in, I don't know, 40s or whatever, they didn't check IDs and stuff back then. So, like, everything I, she has said, said Irene Zyla, and it wasn't her name. Well, I'm not even quite sure what to say about that. <laughs> she just thought it, she thought it was a cool name. <laughs> so, maybe I even think of a new name for myself. Cachalillo is too long for a podcast. Cachalillo, is that how you say it? Yeah. You're a good Italian boy? A bad Italian boy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You gave me a lot to think about. Well, I'm glad. I mean, that's my desire. My desire is just to kind of help heal the world one person at a time through um, the mending or if ending a relationship through the personal growth that comes with ending it. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's what we're that's what we're all about doing, and um, and there's there's a beautiful life to be lived post divorce um, if you're willing to kind of put in the time to get past the pain and the confusion of it. Yeah, I'm willing to do that. You know, you know, that's one of the things too. Is like I'm willing to do these things just so I feel better myself. Because I feel like that kind of stuff gets in the way of me just achieving the things I want to achieve. The the roadblocks that that are there, not just in relationships, but then they'll start showing up in everything else that I want to achieve, you know. So so clearing that crap out, you know, opens that way to really, you know, just, just to have a good time for the next 20 years. Yeah, it does. It, it it enables you to be your best self in that way, what you're doing career-wise, hobby-wise, relationship-wise, friendship-wise. It just, it all starts showing up all good. Yeah. It may even make me a better podcast. Like I, like I don't want to have a guest who reminds me of my wife and then all of a sudden I get grouchy in the podcast. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> That would be an interesting podcast to listen to. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, 
what else can we talk about here in terms of um, relationship? I would love to share uh, another obstacle that people um, get caught up in is what I like to call um, time travel. So, so, so often we're fretting what happened in the past or mm -hmm. looking at the past with rose colored glasses, but kind of living in the past while we're in today, or we're worrying about the future, right? Am mm -hmm. I going to be alone? Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to meet new love? And, and so our mind is where in a different place where we're living. And so when, when people practice presence and make sure that they kind of keep their head where their feet are in today, that's where we have all of our power and our ability to impact their lives. And so that's a really big one for people is to notice how often you're living in the past or the future where mm -hmm. you have no power and kind of staying rooted in the present. I like the present. Yeah. One of the nice things about the present that I learned is if, if I really stay in the present and realize that, um, you know, I have a place to live. I have some food. I'm sitting here just talking to you, mm -hmm. doing a podcast. That's a pretty good present. Yep. You know, it, it, there's nothing really bad about it. Yeah. And, and being present, especially I think when we're alone with our thoughts, it's, it's, it's really valuable to, stay present. And sometimes you practice that just by this morning, I was on the beach with my dog and it's just, you know, you're just like breathing in the sea air. You're listening to the waves crashing, you're watching the seagulls and you're just completely, or you're watching a sunrise or a sunset. You're just completely present with what is. And it's, it's a, it's a great practice. And it also tends to bring a lot of um, peace and calm. Where do you live? Uh, right now, I'm in New York right now. My mom um, has a house on the beach in Queens, nice. Rockaway, Queens. So um, I am very blessed to be a stone's throw from the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Where are you at? I am in South Alabama. Ah. But I will be moving back to New Jersey probably in a month or so. Somewhere actually near the shore by Seaside Heights. Beautiful. Well, uh, the fall is a great time to be by the ocean. The beaches are empty and um, the air is crisp and the ocean is gorgeous. So, uh, What I'd like up there during October is all the haunted attractions. They do have that. There's a lot of that. Yeah. We don't have that here. No, they don't do, they don't <laughs> no. do haunted um, what do they do upstate New York? They do um, like haunted wheat fields. And yeah, we had tons of that in New Jersey. Like all kinds of every farm has like a haunted hayride and, yep, and, yep. and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you? No, thanks so much for asking. So. We are all things Journey Beyond Divorce. We have a Journey Beyond Divorce podcast that started in 2016. Um, Journey Beyond Divorce is our website. We have a supportive Facebook community, Journey Beyond Divorce community. And, um, and if you're listening and you've been struggling in relationship or you're facing divorce and you like what you've heard, 
um, we offer a free uh, rapid relief call. It's a free one hour coaching session for anyone who reaches out. Oh, so you can nice. go to, yeah. Yeah. So you can go to, um, uh, journeybeyonddivorce.com and just scroll down and there'll be a place for you to sign up for a call. Just pick your uh, best time on the calendar. and sign That's right awesome. Up. That's wonderful. Yeah. That, that can really be helpful to a lot of people. And it's our give. It's our, that's, that's our gift. You know, some people um, are so amazed that they hire us. Other people just are appreciative of the value they get. And then they go on and do their best with it. And it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Because I know, you know, the initial emotions are so overwhelming that I think sometimes, you know, even, even with myself, like my, my biggest concern is like, I'm going to act or behave in a way that's going to harm myself or somebody else. Exactly. And many, many people do. Yeah. And if that can and, be avoided, that's good. And there are, we, we have a 12 step divorce recovery program that we we just, we're launching right now. And step one is curb the conflict. And it's about how to create some space and slow things down so that you're not throwing emotional grenades across the room and shrapnels going everywhere. Um, and that's like really, really valuable when you're going through divorce to minimize conflict. Any books in the work? We have a book out called Stepping Out of Chaos, um, Turning Pain to Possibility, which is about the three key steps to navigating a divorce with more grace. Um, and otherwise, my primary focus is I do about five podcasts a month, plus my guest appearances. So that's that's really my happy spot, <laughs> as it is yours. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I will post the links to your website and your podcast in a note to this episode so my listeners can find you. And if any of my listeners are having issues with divorce, I hope they reach out for that free consultation or that free hour session because... I don't know. It could uh, really help somebody. Yeah, it's a game changer. Thank you so much for that. That's very generous. I appreciate well, thank that. Thank you. And this has been delightful. Thank you for sharing your own personal story. This is actually the first guest appearance where I, I, I coached somebody a little bit on their own situation. And I think that that probably um, benefited your listeners as well. So I appreciate your uh, vulnerability in that area. Oh, it benefited me. I Oh, you a big thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're also the only divorced person that was willing to come on my show. Oh. And I think everybody else looked at it and said, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because no matter what your li listeners' interests are, divorce is so prevalent. I mean, over a million people a year in the States alone get divorced that um, – Anywhere where I could share this message and reach one or a few people, I think it's um, it's a worthy investment, and I appreciate the invitation. Awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, hang on for one moment while I play the outro. Facebook.
link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, 